pieces of Drive to Survive. Red Bull of a Horner for Merck's new side parts? Has sucks Magnuson back in. Welcome to the Late Night Race Review. It's Monday, the 14th of March. Thanks for joining us. I'm Dave Jericho, and this excited F1 hand cannon is none other than Mr. Owen Scott. If you like your Formula One news and reviews a day late, and with the accuracy of a pickled cabbage in a Haas F1 car, then you've come to the right place. So without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Scotty, how are you doing this week? I'm good. <laughs> hand cannon. <laughs> <laughs> That was excellent. Um, I'm great, Dave. I'm great. I had a wonderful Fantastic. weekend full of uh, Formula One and I'm filled to the brim now. I don't um, think I could get any more F1 into me this weekend. I was uh, packed. Yeah, I'm like one of those little kids coming out of the uh, the chocolate factory, rolling me out of <laughs> the Willy Wonka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a weekend absolutely full of uh, of Formula One, wasn't it? Yeah, it was fantastic. Although I have to say I struggled um, I struggled fitting it all in. I, I stuck mm. with the, I watched the eight hours a day of testing, which I kind of, as much as I love F1, I kind of regret. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, saw yeah. some of it. I was like, you know what? I could have picked up the highlights on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah. I, but I stuck with it. And then after I watched the three days of qualifying, or sorry, three days of qualifying, three days of testing, <laughs> uh then had to fit in 10 episodes of drive to survive <laughs> yeah so yeah. yeah it was a lot it was a lot yeah yeah and so after say one pass um of drive to survive what's your what's your initial thoughts on it Ooh. um so my initial thoughts because we saw a lot of because obviously a lot of other kind of channels uh youtube channels uh kind of journalists and stuff like that got access to the first eight episodes early uh, yeah. and came out with their their feedback or their reviews um and they were mostly i think most of them that i read were, were negative yeah um so i went into watching it with that in my mind i i, I sort of already made up my mind i hated it and yeah. i was yeah, like you've yeah. got a lot of work to do to, <laughs> to, to, to come back from this one um and i see where the hate came from but i have to say overall i i, I enjoyed it um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about yourself? Yeah, well, I I was kind of feeding off of you. We were talking back and forth about it, and I was quite positive about it. But admittedly, I kind of let you rub off on me. I was like, no, I'm going to hate this. And the first, and I initially did, the first three or four episodes, it, it was bouncing around a lot. It was going from one race to another, back to another one. And yeah, I, I, I wasn't enjoying it. And But it did take off. Um, not to get into it too much and, and ruin anything for anyone, but it did take off and it was a fantastic ending as well. I think that's something to, to for people to be aware of. And it's not it's not a show that's a cinematic highlight reel of the yeah. 2020, 2021 season. Um, and it doesn't it's not linear, like it doesn't go in order of race. It doesn't go by um you know, it, it wouldn't be like I said, it's not a highlight package. Um, yeah. So when people were watching it, I can understand the frustration because I, I went into it. And like you say there, that chopping around, I was ex I, I was the same. I as soon as I started seeing that happen and I was like, hang on, this makes no sense. Like what, yeah. what we've gone from 
Bahrain to, I don't know where we ended up next to Monaco to, you know, we, we just jumped around completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I kind of changed. And again, I was still in my, I hate this already before I've even watched it. So I had to change the hat. I had to kind of look at it and kind of go, do you know what? This isn't, uh, this isn't a highlight show. This isn't like a, you know, the season in review. Yeah. This is, um, the journey of the drivers, the teams and the, uh, and the team principals. Yeah. And, the the racing is the backdrop to that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It, it yeah, was just, yeah. it was, it was kind of what happened with those drivers throughout the season. So that's why the jumping around happened because it was to follow that story arc. Yeah. Um, so they, they jumped around races to follow whatever story arc they were, they were telling at the time. So I can understand why people say, you know, and I say air quotes here, the hardcore formula one fans would hate it, mm. but I think they have to kind of, you know, realize it's not a highlight reel. This is a, it, it this is a TV show about the drivers um, and the dramas that go on with them. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, I, I feel the the first three series, see, I, I came into the first three series, not really being a heavy F1 fan. So I watched those first three series and that's what, that's what really got me into, into F1. And then I started watching obviously last season and I got real heavily into F1. Mm-hmm. And now coming into this season, I'm, I'm coming into this season of, of drive to survive as an F1 fan now. And that's what I was expecting was those races to be in order or had to, not even to be in order, but to have some sort of order going through the season, ending up with the, the Abu Dhabi. Um, and yeah, I think that's what threw me was that I, I was just coming into it expecting it to be in, in that order. But overall, I thought it was I thought it was very well done. Um, a little bit too much of Toto's house and um, Christian Horner's uh, Christian Horner's house. The 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 thing I, I said it to you, we were talking about it over the weekend. Um, th- there was these areas of that felt scripted to me and acted out. And did you oh, notice that a at lot all? Of that. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot. Did of it that. bother you? Um, yes and no um it it more so bothered me that it didn't add anything to the show if the information they had scripted or sorry if if what they had scripted gave you information um then i i'd have let it go for the show you know for as a as a tv show um i mean obviously you don't want to see that type of stuff actually in formula one but as a tv show i would have let it go but it didn't add anything um, no, no, and more no. so it's there was a lot of that there was a lot of um there was a lot of stuff that just didn't add anything to the show um like the and i don't want to like like you were saying there i don't want to kind of say too much to give give anything you know not give anything away it's not like there's a spoiler here and if, you, if you've seen 2021 season you know what happens yeah yeah, yeah. he dies in the end um, <laughs> <laughs> um no i like there was um there was stuff that didn't make sense and there was stuff that i thought uh yes footage that was used out of context footage that was used uh you know saying it was this race but it was actually that race yeah um it it was that was really poor and and then also i really we went myself and my wife watched it and jing obviously yeah yeah uh went through the 10 episodes and every episode we were kind of saying where's are they going to mention Kimmy like you know his his his, his final seat like you know where's the where's the bow out for Kimmy here the big so long good luck Kimmy Mm. uh I mean one of the 
you know, one of the most sort of iconic drivers of sort of modern Formula One and not a not, not a word, but yet like not even a, I, like I don't know. I could be wrong. I'd have to go back and watch it a second time. Like we're going off a first time watch here, but yeah. I didn't hear any mention or any anything related to Kimmy's final race, Kimmy's final season, nothing. Yet I saw a hell of a lot about Yuki Sonoda needing after taking a majestic poop or something and uh, <laughs> yeah. shooting a porno and yeah, yeah, his yeah. messy room. And, and I'm like, why are we looking at this? And there's no mention of Kimi Raikkonen. I don't think I there was a mention of Alfa Romeo full stop uh, in the whole season. I can't remember anything. No, there wasn't. You're, no, you're right. There wasn't. There wasn't um, at all. In fact, I don't think there was even any shots of the drivers. Oh no! I, actually, sorry. There was one shot of Kimi in in uh, in his garage, actually, and right. that was it. Um, I don't recall anything else. Yeah, a bit disappointing for to have such an illustrious career like that, and then to not even get a nod. Um, yeah, Yuki Sonoda's poop made it in there before you did. Yeah, yeah. Christian <laughs> Horner's back garden. <laughs> yeah, thanks for your twenty years in F one, but uh, we're gonna go film the Japanese guy's poop. <laughs> now, do you think, um, uh, a, la, a la Max, do you think that Kimmy maybe took the same sort of line in keeping away from the interviews and maybe not giving them the access that they wanted? Maybe, but I thought we would have heard something about that. You know, if if mm. the when they were talking about Max Verstappen stepping away from the interviews i would have thought we would have heard if other drivers had decided to do the same yeah maybe like lewis hamilton didn't have much one-on-one -on -one with the netflix camera like a lot of his yeah. footage came from conversations with other people there wasn't many conversations that were direct to um sort of the netflix crew and certainly none that were in the studio where like toto and uh, yeah. lando and daniel and all them did their 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 interviews I'd imagine for for Netflix there was very much a, a a kind of a balancing act to do. They they had their two protagonists. It was Lewis versus versus Max, and they had they had the uh, ability to go and and talk to Lewis. But I I don't know if you'd want to. It might be a bit too one sided to to have all these interviews with Lewis and then nothing with Max at all. Do you know I didn't actually miss not having the interviews yeah, with Max yeah, yeah. like I thought I would. When there was enough it, there, I think, wasn't there? I think there was plenty there. And I'll be honest, I think it would have been lost with it. I do, I did enjoy um, Toto and uh, Christian having their say on camera. Um, I thought that was, I, I, I enjoyed that, um, you know, for, for, for one reason or another. Um, but I thought I would have missed having, yeah, Max being interviewed on camera more. But the fact that then you realize, well, it's not, he hasn't kind of said, none of the footage of Max or anything he was talking about with his team isn't going to be in the show. It's just he wasn't going to be talking direct to yeah. the Netflix crew, which I think they should all do that, if I'm honest, yeah. because yeah, I think yeah, it yeah. would actually improve things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, yeah, so, so I, think, I think he was right. But uh, we, yeah, to answer your question, I think we would have heard something of other drivers that have ducked out of that one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he, I think he took the right path in, in trying to keep away from from the interviews and stuff. It, it, it I, yeah, as you said, I feel, I feel like it added to it more. It was more fly in the wall type. Um, yeah, documentary. And we missed out on battles between the McLaren and Red and Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. like they, we had a a season or sorry an episode and a half of McLaren. 
and it didn't really dive into the rivalry or not the rivalry but the competition that was going on last season between the two yeah in the constructors championship um so that it was just very odd but they chose to talk about (sighs) yeah it was very odd i mean i'm just looking at the the episode lists here um there's some some interesting choices um and i think maybe the choices might be based on say markets maybe the Yuki Sonoda Japanese market. Um, that is not a terrible way to co- construct the, the show. And I know that's why they're saying, oh, well, we're trying yeah. to, you know, is this geared towards the American fans? But is not just a terrible way? Because rightly or wrongly, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it not being a highlight reel. I'm okay yeah. with it not being a, a, a race by race highlight. But um, I'm also not for it being a scripted um, where we're going to give more time to Yuki Sonoda or we're going to give more time to, you know, Mazepin or we're going to give more time to X, Y and Z because they bring in money or the market where they're from is bigger. Yeah. And that's that's how we're creating the show. And if that's the case, well, then just look, axe it now. Don't even bother with season five. I saw the Netflix crew in the in testing there. Yeah, Yeah. And I was like lads you know don't put too much effort in yet like it might it might yet get the get the axe there was talk of it being uh used as a as a pr machine for certain certain teams and it did come across that way in certain areas i won't mention exactly what uh incident kind of set me off there was one in particular um but uh i'd feel if it's yeah if it's going that way then I don't think there's much much point in. Uh, you know what? We should have started the t- this with spoiler alert. Don't listen if you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> there's too much to talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think. That, yeah, I I don't know. They're they're, and I've seen reports then as well from um from certain people. This is really hard <laughs> without mentioning, um, saying that they might have been taken out of context or you know that they they felt they were taken up wrong when you can clearly see there's areas where they played along and they were they were not that they were necessarily reading from a script but it really feels as if there was someone at the end of the camera going okay now you say this to him and he'll react in a certain way and you say it back to him and then you're both going to walk off over there and yeah. yeah i just i don't understand they knew what they were getting into um, but i wouldn't be surprised if people were taken out of context or they were if it was scripted that they were kind of led to you know here's the script here's what you're going to read between you know person a person b and then this is how you know this is that's and so you reading it as a script kind of go okay well here's the context of what it's in i understand that's fine then it gets to the netflix cutting room and all of a sudden that's been chopped up and they've taken a little soundbite out of it or whatever and now all of a sudden what you read in a script doesn't actually reflect yeah. um what comes out in the final product because like i said i i saw countless um edits on the show where they had like the audio from the drivers in the wrong like you, you know like drivers saying certain things mm-hmm. um in the wrong races or in not even at the right part of the race you know and you're like right. oh, this is completely out of sync with how or where this was positioned on the race or in the season even in some cases yeah so the fact that they took that sort of liberty and just kind of went you know what i like uh you know i don't pick a driver sebastian vettel saying this 
Uh, yeah. you know, that sounds great. So I'm going to, he said it here in, uh, you know, in Bahrain, but we're going to use it here in Monaco because it adds yeah, better sure. to, to, to this little accident or this little thing that happened. I was like, yeah, so if this is the kind of crack that, that they're going to be playing around with, then um, yeah, I'm happy with it. Just wrapping it up, lads. I don't need it. The F1 season last year was fantastic. Um, it, it, does, it doesn't feel like a, an F1 series made by F1, someone who likes F1. It feels like a series made by someone who likes making series. Yeah. Yeah, it does a bit. Um, it, it's very much Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, it's very much Netflix, yeah. and um, and to just sort of, I, I, I think between Netflix, Netflix's show, and then Sky, I think if Sky had have done this, yeah, I think it might have been a little bit more. Te- I don't think it would have landed the market um, that Netflix have reached. No, I, no, I no. think Netflix has definitely brought it to uh, a, a different market. Mm-hmm. But I think Sky, from a racing perspective, and not and, and again taking it that we're not doing a race by race pre a review, um, I think if Sky had done it, I still think they would have done a better job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the, the figures on Netflix apparently have brought in an estimated seventy three million fans last year globally, with the Drive to Survive series. Yeah. I mean. You know, it's clearly it's clearly working. It, it it feels as if it's kind of geared towards the American market, and the, you know the new um, the new tracks that we have this year would suggest that they're they're obviously trying to break that market more. Um, but I've seen a lot of things as well. I just have an article here, Jordan Crunch from or Jordan Crook, sorry from from uh, TechCrunch.com. He said that the argument is that the sport now feels as though race decisions are swayed to keep the sh- the championship close. Well, what what are your thoughts on that? I know it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a tinfoil hat theory, but no, I don't think so. I, I I can see where someone might have got that from. Um, but I I if that's the case, then I I would probably stop watching F one altogether. If I if I genuinely believe that was what has like for obviously we're talking about last year and the decisions Michael Massey made. Yeah. So I you shall if, not be named. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, if, yeah, if I genuinely thought that was the case, I definitely wouldn't be watching F1 again. I mean, that would be that'd be like, you know, a football match being pre-decided who's going to win before the game even kicks off. Like, why would you even yeah. watch it? Yeah, I know yeah. there's uh, <laughs> there is instances of things like that happening. But that's, you know, if that was genuinely the case, like, why would you watch it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think. Uh, so, yeah, I and mean, we won't go into it too much because, I mean, it's old news now, but I do think just Michael Massey just made. He made a decision that he thought was going to be good for the racing that, you know, you were going to get the checkered flag. You were going to get a, a, a season defining moment under racing conditions and didn't really think of the fact that, you know, Verstappen had pitted all that type of stuff. He yeah. just thought, I'm going to put the two guys fighting for the world title side by side. and We're going to let them slug it out for, for the final um, race. But yeah, it was a shocking decision. But anyway, look, we don't need to digress into, into old news. Even yeah, though yeah. We're, we, we're the masters of late news. Yeah. <laughs> we could very much, I could feel myself just slipping into that conversation again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it, it's easy to, to, to bring it up and we could go around in circles and come up with all kinds of conspiracy theories. But uh, I think it was just a very last ditch decision, poor decision. Um, and the, 
does actually that's one other thing um throughout the season because it was a lot of um and i don't think i'm ah screw it spoiler alerts if you haven't watched that i don't care i'm sorry i don't care <laughs> we'll, <laughs> I'm we'll, that flash, guy. we'll flash the alarms in the edit don't worry yeah I, i'm that guy um the thing that i, I uh, it also annoyed me because of that decision at the end of the season by Michael Massey, it was obviously that um, there was a lot of controversy and a lot of talk around uh, team principals being able to talk, or teams in general being able to talk directly to the race director and that conversation being broadcast over, you know, Sky or wh whoever the broadcaster, other broadcasters sure. are available. Um, so I think um, the, where was I going with that? Um, yeah, what, what they didn't do was they didn't, I don't think they put enough, they didn't highlight that enough throughout the season. There was a yeah. lot of decisions that were made throughout the season that were really controversial. And I think it would have been, now I don't know whether they'd stepped away from that because they didn't want to demonize Michael Massey, which yeah. was very easily done. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think maybe they might've stepped back from that. And if that's the case, fine, I, I, I'd respect that decision. But what I don't really respect is that at the end, like, like I said, we all know what happened. So at the end of the show, I did expect more from the fallout. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. expected them to kind of show uh, a, a lot more of what kind of, you know, I know we know what happened, but I just thought it would have added to, you know, if, if they're talking, you know, they're clearly making it out as a controversial victory. Um, yeah. Michael Massey's decisions, they, you know, they edited it in such a way um, to make it as controversial as possible. Not that you could, you know, not that you had to do much to make it any more controversial than it already was. Yeah. But I, I, I think they, uh, yeah, I think they could have shown more of what happened at the end. Uh, you know, so more of the fallout, I think. Is there a possibility that um, well, the, the report isn't, hasn't been released yet, that ha that still hasn't come to light? Oh, um, I don't mean the report. I just mean like, you know, the talk, talking with uh, Christian Horner and, uh, you know, even you know, Lewis Hamilton and stuff like that. I mean, if, if Lewis Hamilton was talking to Netflix and Formula One, like if, if this is supposed to be a raw view, like, and that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a really raw, allegedly unscripted, um, unfiltered look at the drivers. Yeah. I wanted to see what, I, I thought, is there a camera somewhere recording when fucking Lewis Hamilton just absolutely loses his shit, like completely after the race? Like yeah. what happened? I, I, I find it hard to believe that he smiled, shook Verstappen's hand, went to his dad, his dad shakes Verstappen's hand, and then they do the ceremony. He congratulates Max Verstappen and that's it. He disappears into the sunset and that's it. I'm like, right. no, there, there, was, there was more conversations had there. And obviously the teams have just gone, we don't want that on the show. We don't want yeah, that yeah, record yeah. either recorded or it was recorded and they said, no, we don't want it on the show. Uh, and I'll be honest, I, I, I'm a nosy fucker and I, I, I love a bit of gossip <laughs> and I would have loved to have fucking seen what happened there. I wanted to see the, the fallout. I wanted to see someone lose the rag completely. And... Well, the, there, there was a delay in episode nine and ten. Is it possible maybe that, that some of the, the footage that it was being contested maybe by uh, Mercedes and Red Bull that they didn't want it? Well, probably Mercedes more so than Red Bull that they didn't want it coming out. It's possible. Yeah, it's possible because I did feel that we were getting into the sort of the juicy stuff at the start of the uh, of the um, at, at the start of episode ten, yeah. and I was looking at it, and I was I was there with Jing, and I was looking, at it and we were kind of going, God, we're only like ten minutes into this episode. Like, I mean, there must be judging on how they've 
structured the last nine episodes we're 10 minutes in let's let's say another 15 minutes for the race so we're gonna have 20 minutes of fallout here at the end yeah, um, yeah. we didn't we got it just they dragged out that <laughs> middle sector of yeah, of yeah. content as much as they could so um yeah look it's unfortunate but um it is what it is but uh, look the closing arguments i still enjoyed it uh, i know people don't um they, they they see it as it's inaccurate and it is inaccurate but as a tv show take it as a tv show take it as well from the driver's perspectives um and take your conspiracy theory hat off about um you know pr and all that type of stuff it's just it's it was a good show like i enjoyed it yeah. um that's it. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah, yeah. I have to have to say that the, the overall, as as a show, I enjoyed it. It gave me a, a little bit more of a, a look behind um, the the screens that we don't usually get to look behind in F one. So yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it was it's a win. Um, uh, as far as um, say, you know, the the Lewis Max episodes and Drive to Survive, and then the Jewel documentary on Sky. How how do you feel that they kind of stacked up against each other? Oh, they were chalk and cheese. Mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> I thought Jewel was a. I, I, I like we said it before. I watched that twice, and I'll probably watch it a third time. I have it on the the the, the trusty Sky Q, and it was it was just a great show. It was just great. It was a, it was just a, it was a highlight reel of the season between yeah. Max and and Lewis. And it was fantastic. Uh, I mean, look, there's, of course, there's probably things they could have done better. There's things they probably um, could have omitted from it. But overall, it was fantastic. And stacking it up against, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's chalk and cheese. Like, I mean, it's, you're, <laughs> you've got proper, a proper F1 kind of review of the battle between Max and Lewis. Mm. And then you've got a fluff piece by Netflix. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I would compare compare them. You've got a fluff piece and an actual documentary of the season between the two drivers. Yeah. yeah. What about yourself? Yeah, I mean, a similar amount of of time given to, to on both documentaries. The the Jewel one was what two hours, an hour a piece, and then hour and I think uh, the Jewel was about an hour and a half. I think it was forty five. You took out the sort of the ad breaks, so I think it was forty five minutes each part. So you're talking okay. an hour and so, a half. 90 minutes for mm. for for jewel they had that time to play with in order to to get the whole season into those those 90 minutes and it was concise and to the point well put together uh yeah i en- enjoyed that immensely and I, I did enjoy the the netflix uh roundup of of the lewis max but it, it was over what maybe three episodes three episodes yeah yeah so similar enough timing but yeah the jewel by far was uh was superior well, I, I'll give you a laugh, actually. Well, not that funny, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> let's find out. Let's let's find out. Um, like, so Jewel was an hour and a half, right? And they covered Max and Lewis for the whole season, right? An hour and a half long. Yeah. Um, episode one and two of Jewel, or sorry, of uh, Drive to Survive was uh, roughly about an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. And all we covered was effectively Bahrain, Max Lewis, Lando and Daniel. And that was yeah. 20% of the that's 20% of the Drive to Survive documentary. So when you consider that you're like you spent 20% of your entire documentary and you thought that was an adequate acceptable use of your time 
to do that. Do you know what it reminds me of? It's when you, <laughs> when you, it's someone's birthday and you're writing a sign and you write happy really, really big. And then <laughs> you're halfway through the sign. You're like, oh shit, I've got to fit birthday onto this. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you just squeeze in birth and you put the Y kind of sideways. Yeah, D-A-Y going down the side of the card. That's exactly, um... <laughs> that is exactly what it's like. Yeah, fair play. That's it. That's it. So I, I guess that kind of brings us to to where we need to be with with Netflix, and it leads us nicely into the the weekend's action in Bahrain. Bahrain, finally, <laughs> uh, where we had Mercedes Hyde pods with the Williams explosions, cars not showing up on time, and the Schumacher Schumacher in the top two, which was lovely to see. It was, um, but I mean, it was. Oh, actually, listen, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry, go you. <laughs> No, 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 just just rounding up um, everything that I saw over the weekend, uh, the, the purposing continuing. Um, mm-hmm. and, Some worse than others. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, break issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a lovely fast lap from Max Verstappen on the final day to finish it all off. And uh, it, what, what would you, like, let, before we break down testing, uh what was your overall what did you take away from it overall i'm not sure to be honest i don't mm. know what to think i don't know what to think um obviously the, the ferrari looks amazing mm-hmm. uh, i'm looking forward to see how that ferrari stacks up against whether mercedes are sandbagging or not um we can see how fast the red bull is um, I'm just I'm interested to see what happens next weekend. I just don't have a clue, really, to be honest. Mm. What about you? Um, yeah, so, sort of the same, but I think, like, we know that the times are nothing to to compare. Like, I mean, yeah. Mick Schumacher getting second in the timesheet. Like, I mean, it looks great, but let's Believe, be real Dave. here. Believe. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would love it. There's no, like, yeah, look, I would love to see Mick Schumacher um, perform. And... Look, we'll get on to Haas um, because I do think they've come with a car that's possibly going to jump them up into the mid-table back where they used to be. Um, But if we go to... Yeah, overall, though, I... um, Yeah, times... I was looking for stability. I was looking to see who could drive the car, who could actually... Who could who had a full who had a proper grasp of the car when you saw when you saw the onboards like what car was sticking on those corners what wasn't uh, and it was more you, you could see which cars were struggling and which drivers were struggling with their setups more than others so I was kind of looking at that more than I was looking at the times but don't get me wrong it was nice to see a couple of cars just kind of you know look and I think I I'd, I'd say there's there's got to be another easily another second, second and a half to be gained out of that uh, Red Bull. Um, so, but anyway, let's 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 dissect it a little bit more. Yeah. What? Let's uh, let's 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 start off with Mercedes. I suppose that's that was one of the biggest shockers when they turned up with their their um, borrowing the the Williams crayons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The when. Uh, do you think maybe that um, they had a design um, in mind and it was uh, the, the Barcelona testing, they realized that they had failed and gone back to the drawing board? Or do you I think- don't think so. I think it would have been way too, it would have been too quick to turn around something that dramatic um, 
to turn around something that, and I look, I'm neither of us are, you know, engineers or aerodynamic experts here. So we're just taking complete punts here. Speak but for I, yourself. Speak for myself. Exactly. <laughs> but I do think it's, I, I think it's, it's going to be very, it would be, yeah, they wouldn't have turned it around that quick. Mm-hmm. Um, it was too drastic of a change. I mean, that aero change to those side pods affect the whole car, the, the rear wings, the beams, the, like the cooling, how, where the radiators are positioned within the engine. I mean, you could see the difference between um, the Barcelona uh, car and the Bahrain car that just near the, just above the side pods behind the roll hoop, there's, there was almost like a, a bulge that was coming out of the side, which is where they'd obviously put some of their cooling. Yeah. Um, which wouldn't have been there as far as I know, wasn't there unless, uh, someone knows, uh, and there's, there's some information out there otherwise, but that wouldn't have been there during Barcelona. That was down further t- towards the side pods. Mm-hmm. So doing all that in the space of between Barcelona and Bahrain. Yeah. I don't think that was, I think this was always their end game and they didn't have it ready and they used a, they had something, they had the other car ready for testing some other areas um, and then switched to this one. Or maybe, look, maybe they, maybe they had both and they thought, do you know what? Let's try both. They could turn up in Bahrain and say, do you know what? That those no side pods didn't work. Let's go back to the car we had in Barcelona. And that could turn up for the first race of the season. I don't actually know if I'm honest, but that's, that's the that's the other thing that like the times weren't even even with this new no side pod the times weren't fantastic and again i know we can't read into it they they are very possibly holding back oh there was... lewis and and george are both kind of playing at coy and you know they were talking up ferrari and talking up all the competitors and they don't think they're going to be competitive this year they do that well George Russell aside, but Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton do that every year. Yeah, and yeah. for some reason, they always pick Ferrari. Oh, Ferrari are the favorites this year. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think, and I don't think it's, like, yes, every season, every time I've seen testing, and I watch, I watch testing every every year it's on, I watch it. Mm-hmm. And they <clears throat> they always sound like, I think it was, um, I think 2020, I think, they sort of showed a little bit more pace than anyone else. But yeah. largely, they sandbag. And right. I think um, this time round, though, yes, they are, they're, they're sandbagging. There's definitely more to come out of that car. But that car looked more of a handful than most cars on that track. Like the, the understeering, the, the, the slow cornering, the, just everything. It looked like a proper handful for both drivers, George and Lewis. Yeah. So whereas I don't believe that it's as dire as maybe lewis is saying when he says we're not going to be winning any races in the early stages of the season i don't i mean they said that last year and they got to to bahrain last season and they won the opening race so um and they were much closer even from even from qualifying to the race they were much closer yeah so but the so yeah so i don't buy it but i do think they're gonna have a problem I, i i just i or they do have a problem should i say i don't think they're just intentionally sandbagging and intentionally, um, you know, sort of not showing their hand. I think there is possibly an issue with that design. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't wait to see. It does it does smack of the uh, Mercedes PR machine revving up and um, telling the lads what to say before um, race day. But 
I guess we'll we'll see next week. Well, Lewis had a like he came out after the testing sessions and said, well, to that effect, you know, we won't be winning races early on. That it, and he didn't have much to say good about the car. Even his body language when he was asked about how does he find these cars compared to last the last era of cars. Yeah. And it was sort of this kind of wry smile, like, you know, almost as if to say, you know, he didn't want to say it was a load of crap, but he almost, it almost, he wanted to say, I don't like them at all. Like, you know, yeah. um, and that says to me that that's someone that hasn't re you know, he's not, he hasn't got the feel for the car. He's not, he's not. And I know all the drivers are in the same boat, but I just think they're, they're, they're a little bit behind. Now I'd still say they're in the top three, but mm. I, I think they're at the back of the top three. I think they're third, like. Interesting. Mm. Um, we had a little bit of racing as well. I saw uh, Gasly, Gasly taking on Hamilton and uh, and winning again. I know we can't read into it. Yeah, but, yeah. But it's nice uh, to see some racing on track. Nice little maneuver. There was um, Alonso and Stroll going at it. Um, Alonso apparently not too happy with uh, something that Stroll did and took off after him. And um, but Stroll, the, the the Aston Martin, seems to have some real pace. Yeah, um, good looking car, um, and we also had the grid start with Bottas and Vettel. I believe there was another two cars. Can't remember what they were. Possibly that's right. So, that was nice. It was just because usually testing is just a boring. Uh, you know, all we're there for is you know what what, what extra bits have been added to the car. Uh, who's who, who can control the car and then we just watch it go around and hope to god someone decides to put in an absolute blinding lap so we can see you know is there any sort of uh anything we can take away from this for the next going into the season but do you know, uh, do you know what i really think happened uh, and why we saw some racing and grid starts netflix <laughs> Someone, there, was, there was a paper bag handed to Alonso and Stroll. <laughs> yeah. Netflix are in their ear, man. I'm telling you, um, it's affecting everything. But uh, yeah, Pick we also had out of season five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we had uh, brake issues galore. We had a Williams explode at one stage. No, that wasn't brake issues. Explain to me what that what that was. Oh, do you or know what you actually, think that was? Uh, um. Well, the explosion was from the fire. Like the explosion was from, from, I think it was the brake drum or something like that. But I think the, what actually happened now, again, I, I did see some uh, information about it. I think it was a hydraulic issue. Um, so like the back, the rear brakes are effectively useless. Like they're not actually used for slowing the car down at all, but there is brakes there. Uh, I think now, again, I could be absolutely wrong. So Anyone wants to uh, write in and correct me on this one, please send it to feedback at f1racereview.com. But I'm, I'm about to step my foot in it. Um, I think they're they're like drum brakes at the back, okay. like like with the shoe, like the old shoe drum brakes. I think it's something like that. And um, so when the hydraulics went, they got stuck, um, and Latifi just kept driving, obviously, and they just kept heating up, heating up, heating up, and eventually caught fire. So um, so obviously he. Um, now, <clears throat> where the suspension, because I think it was his, uh, his left rear suspension gave way going around one of the corners. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm not really sure exactly as to how that unfolded, but yeah. when, and then obviously from the heat and then the extinguisher being put onto the, the heat, then that's obviously what it caused. I think it was probably the drum that exploded in the back. I know they were talking about the carbon fiber and stuff like that kind of flying out. So I, I'm guessing it was the drum brake or the drum from the brake. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know. I don't think they had any other issues relating to that, though, was there? I mean, it was pretty dramatic no. to see. But um, but we do have McLaren then had have. And again, it's not it's uh, when we say it's brake issues. It, it, yes, it is. It is brake issues, but it's brake issues relating to the aero of the car and how the car is cooling down or, or directing the air into the brake ducts and, and cooling down the brakes. Yeah, um, so it, was, it was overheating of the brakes for McLaren. That was day two, I think, was it? Oh, it was all weekend. Like they still haven't solved it. So I think they're going into the first race hoping that it's going to be be solved. Like I don't think they did any. Like they did a lot of laps, but I don't think they did any. Um, they didn't do any sort of um, race sims or anything like that. Like they wouldn't have done any no. uh, um, any long distance kind of kind of running. Um, and I'm not even sure if, in terms of fuel weight and stuff like that. I don't know whether they maybe trim that down a bit as well. I don't know. But yeah, they, and that's going to be a big issue for them. Like I was thinking of this and they're, <clears throat> they've got a unique design um, and look, I'll be, forgive me. Like I don't, I can't remember every single uh, side pod design off the top of my head, but yeah. I, I do know McLaren um, have, um, they've got like these little, um, like at the floor, like it kind of raises up. They've got a unique one to anyone else. I don't think anyone else has it similar where it kind of sucks in the the, uh, the air under under the floor to for back up for cooling but it's done at the just underneath the side pods you can can, can see um sort of where you've got the intake of the side pod and then just below it you've got where the floor looks like it's raised up with these yeah, like yeah. what look like fins on it anyway so that's obviously like from it's coming you know for, as that's coming from the front of the car the whole cooling of the brakes is going to be disrupted so if they have to change that that's going to affect how much air is going to then be available and coming down this cooling system that they have in place down towards the side pods again this is my understanding of it um again correct me if i'm wrong but Mm -hmm. i don't think it's a so so when we're looking at kind of going have you fixed the issue you know has the issue been fixed and I, i wasn't surprised that it wasn't fixed because when you've then got that design that's handling that airflow coming from the front i mean that's all all cars are obviously handling the airflow coming from the front but if you're then having to divert and use airflow coming from the front for the brake ducts and um, more of it uh, and you obviously have to deal with how you're venting that as well yeah. you're now taking away from your system that you have in place the side pods on the floor at, the, at, at kind of at the, at sort of effectively we'll say your next step back from your from, from your um, from your brakes and your wheels and stuff like that so that change, I, I would imagine, is going to be pretty significant to the effect of that side pod design. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do, do you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll come up with a way that um, whatever they design will reduce or, 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 or completely um, remove that negative impact on that side pod design. But simply just putting in something on the, on the, that, that would direct the air, more air into those brakes for cooling, yeah. That would take away from those side pods. So you're going to have to completely rethink how you're going to restructure that airflow, I would imagine. So I think that, yeah, I think that's a big problem that they're going to have for going in. And I don't necessarily, I think they'll have resolved it to some degree. I think they might have a stopgap in place at Bahrain, something sure. that will cool the brakes that they can race. Um, but with the um, sacrificing what's going in through the side pods and the floor. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that's a, that's a problem that might take a, two, a race or two to, to solve. 
And it's not just a symptom of, say, the the hotter tracks. Like it's it's not something that might just happen in the lakes of Bahrain. And then when we get to to Europe, say that this won't be as much of an issue. Well, it's definitely going to be less of an issue, but it's still going to be there. I mean, yeah. how, like the brakes get so hot regardless of the conditions. But yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah hotter air condition, uh, hotter um, climates, and um, lower air pressures, and all that type of stuff is going to impact on how you're going to cool your car down. So yeah. yeah, if you're in Britain, we'll say at Silverstone on a absolute Baltic day, you know, yeah, I, I'd say you could be, you'd be happy enough that you could run that race quite quite comfortably but um yeah i mean how many races are like that on the calendar yeah yeah exactly um and speaking of say redesigns red bull are then turning up on on day was it day two of testing with a sleeker side pod design um and it seems to have had some sort of an impact seems to have worked and i saw max being interviewed about the car because we were they were talking about the porpoising and stuff like that and what teams have got a handle on it and Max was sort of saying that they reckon that they've got a got a handle on it because I'd say out of all the cars there, the, the Red Bull is the one that's porpoising the less. Oh, in fact, yeah. In the last day of testing, I can't recall really seeing it uh, sort of you know bouncing around aggressively at all. Um, and how much of that now? I'd say there's a good bit of that down to that redesign and the add-ons, the upgrades they brought, and also they're saying that they've learned a lot from uh barcelona and from the first days of testing to be able to sort of work on r- f- upgrades and fixes for that porpoising so that yeah it looks like they have that under control so mm. i think that that the combination of upgrades has worked for them yeah yeah it's looking good for them going into into the first weekend hopefully well there, um, he's just so much control over that car yeah like yeah. and that's what i was looking for when you were when i was watching the onboards i was looking for you know drivers who were able to you know, like what you used to see last season, even when they you see them slinging the car so so fast into corners that the car is literally nearly hopping. You're yeah. you're you're going that. Whereas this season, yeah. Oh, actually, I'm going to jump on from Red Bull a little bit into something that's kind of kind of related in terms of the handling of the cars because Red Bull, I think, have it really. They're they're really far down the road of having that car tamed and these regulations tamed for their drivers ferrari are another one who have have probably they probably tamed their car even forget about the porpoising but being able to handle and control that car Mm. they they had it under control as well quite early on but these they have a lot of work to do because the the weights of these cars the, the 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 change in the air the porpoising the the all these kind of factors coming in and you see like the slow cornering. That's just one of the huge things that I noticed. Yeah. And I was compared like now a fast corner is fast still and probably even faster than it was last season, because mm-hmm. that's how the aero works on these cars. Yeah. Um, whereas the slow cornering, even though obviously in a slow corner on uh, last year's aero, it still obviously would have reduced your downforce, but, this year, accompanied with the weight, the you know, so the, the the front wings are sort of somewhat irrelevant in terms of the oversteer understeer. Um, these cars, I mean, you were seeing cars going in so slow, like turn. Um, oh God, let me just think now. I think it was like, well, turn one was a big issue. Uh, now I know turn one is nearly hairpin, 
But turn one, turn 10, they're probably the two um, tightest corners on the circuit. Yeah. They were criminally slow. Turn eight was criminally slow as well. And I was looking at it going, uh, not only was it slow, but they were drifting off track. There was another corner that was quite fast. Um, I think it could have been turn 11. And they were where you look at that. Now, I could be wrong. But I'm looking at it going, I think last year's car could have taken that. at Like, not you wouldn't have taken it flat out, but you could have taken that at a hugely increased speed than what the guys were going around during testing. And it would have stuck, you know, uh, you, it would have been like on rails going around that. Whereas you looked at George Russell was one of the first ones I saw and he just understeered straight off the track. And right. I was like, and you could tell the weight, the, the air, just nothing was working. So, so just remind me, turn 11 is after that old, after the, there's a grid there. Um, and then you're turning, turning up, up the hill. So do you remember where at turn 10, where they were all going off there, everyone yes. kept going off on turn 10. They kept going straight off, locking up uh, all that. So turn 11, obviously it comes after turn 10, yeah. but there's a, there's a long, there's a, there's a long straight a, then between a long up, uh, goes up the hill toward up to the left. Yeah. Up to the left. Yeah. And then into the right of turn 12. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. I know and um, so that was, a, that was a good, um, it, it was a good, corner to see who has because it's a fast corner but it has a it has a tight entry and then opens up to a kind of a fairly uh fast exit and then into into turn 12 mm -hmm. so again i know i'm comparing it to last year's car and i know these teams still have to get the ha handle on the arrow and and the, the weights and stuff like that yeah. but i mean yeah they looked i at the start of it, like i think i was talking to you over the weekend uh, you know during the testing day one and day two i was like this is gonna be a disaster yeah like if they haven't if they haven't figured out these issues from barcelona i thought i thought they would have been improved and they were even worse some of them were even worse i was like this is a disaster how are you going to go from this to the to race day um and then as the day went on, i think it was the last hour hour and 20 minutes of testing of day three we saw we saw everyone going out on light fuel loads um and going you know sort of not full quality mode but they were going at uh, you know going for some some quick laps and then you saw okay these cars you know they stick like they're, they're they are good they're fast but that was on a light fuel load yeah so i'm kind of thinking if you've got 20 cars on track with i don't know 40 kilos of fuel i'm not sure how much fuel they buy 40 odd kilos of fuel or something like that yeah. um i mean good lord like i mean you saw when like even the Lance Stroll and uh, Alonso, that little battle they had when they came down into turn one, like they were gingerly going around to get, making sure they didn't crash into each other. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's, um, I think that, that, that weight is going to be a huge factor. Um, and it's going to be a couple of races, I think, before we start seeing what these cars are more than capable of doing. It's very much like um, handing a, a figure skater that's figured out how to skate a big bag of hammers and just going, <laughs> okay, there you go, turn. Yeah, <laughs> I'd exactly. Ima I'd imagine it's going to take a little bit of time to figure out how to adjust to the new bag of hammers they have on their back. Um, yeah, uh, but I, I'm hoping, though, they, they do reduce the weights down um, because, I mean, like I said, cars that are like 15 kilos, I mean, I think they were talking about each kilo, uh, let me see if I can think of this off the top of my head. So that one kilo is 
worth four hundredths of a second. Right. So if you're 10 kilos, well, if you're at 15 kilos, you're what you're, you're nearly, or you're over half a second slower mm-hmm. than someone who's 15 kilos lighter than you are. Yeah. So, I mean, how many, like Alfa Romeo are the only one I think that are sort of hitting the weight targets, but now they obviously, they don't have the power that sort of maybe the Mercedes and stuff do. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Wait, 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 wait. And it's a, correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't, um, it doesn't include the, the weight of the driver is, um, it doesn't matter. It's they're clocked, uh, with, with the seat at a certain weight. And then I, the car yeah, I, is, I think it's 80 kilos for the driver and the, he's 80 seat. kilos for the driver. Yeah. For the driver and seat. And then they ballast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if you only weigh 70 kilos, they ballast of 10 kilos. So yeah, um, Yuki has about five bags of hammers in the in the front. Oh of yeah, he's ballasted. Yeah, he's ballasted for seventy kilos. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but for me, the the it wasn't a surprise, I guess. Um, it was interesting to see Hass um raising a few eyebrows with that that fastest time on day two and Kevin Magnuson, which we'll get on to in a, in a few minutes. Hmm. Um, uh, I, I'm, I know it's a, a bit of a pipe dream, but seeing Schumacher doing well um, up at P2, I think at one stage on at the, the, the start of day two. Um, all right, what do you think? Are we in for a few more points? I know we kind of brushed on it earlier on, but are we in for a few more points this year for Haas? I think the Haas looks good. I mean, you have to, you know, you have to you limit. You know, you have to kind of go with reality here, though. They're not going to be competing at the front, but I definitely no. think they're a midfield team, and I definitely think yeah, there's points in it for them. And look at the Alpha Tauri's. You know, if you're a midfield team, there's podiums there to be had throughout the course of a season. If you yeah. position your guys uh, and you're there when the accidents happen up front, or you know, rainy day or bad pit stops, whatever happens, if you're a midfield team. Yeah, there's a podium there. So, I mean, I would love, even if it's a third place on the podium, I would love to, uh, to, to, to see that as uh, actually <laughs> on the, the talk of podiums. <clears throat> and I hate to jump back to drive to survive. And I'm really sorry <laughs> for doing this. That's okay. I'm um, going to get my, uh, get my hook out. We're really back in. Wait, <laughs> yeah, I know. I can feel it around my neck already. <laughs> Stop talking. Will Buxton, man, he oh, just God. kept. He he no, he's he's a meme. Like there's yeah. memes of him everywhere. From and so just when we're talking about the podiums there, and he's like, John, if you're if, if you're on the top step of the podium, that's how you win races. And you're, <laughs> what? <laughs> You've obviously won the race if you're on the first step of the podium, and you're like, that's the type of crap that was coming out from Will Buxton for ten is episodes. The, is there a comparison there to be had between Michael Owen uh, and his commentary skills uh, and Will Buxton? I think, to be fair, Will Buxton on Formula One's channel, he's great. He's he's like a God bless Ted, but I mean, he's like a yeah. good version of Ted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like Ted. I like. Oh, Ted. I do as well. But I mean, he's become he's become too cringe. Like I, yeah, I actually yeah. watched Ted's notebook. And I know we are really digressing here, off the point, but I watched Ted's notebook after the uh, after after the Bahrain uh, qualifying uh, each day, 
Yeah. Some of it I had to fast forward. I was like, I can't even watch it. I'm cringing yeah, yeah. so hard. I was like folding into the sofa. At, at one he, stage, he brought out the cheese again. Oh, or he's like, let's get to know uh, Joe Guan Yu. And you're thinking, are we? And, you're yeah. like, and then he starts talking about, oh, he starts. Oh, no. And then he starts talking about Alex Albon. We didn't. Oh, we didn't get to get to know Alex Albon. You know, what sort of boxers or briefs? And Alex Albon's like, boxers are briefs. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a yeah. Formula One driver. Why do you want to know what underwear I wear? <laughs> uh, I was it, I just I was cringing too much. I had to I had to fast forward some of it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's what I say. Will Buxton, he's that type of personality. You know, that fun man, that fun guy around the pit. The, you know, the, uh, around um, uh, around the paddock, but not quite. He's not going to bring out a block of brie and try and explain yeah. aerodynamics to you. I, um, I think t- Ted. It, there's a generational thing there. I think Ted is. Uh, it, it's just like he's like a cringy dad. Oh, that's exactly what it is. He's trying to be hip with the kids, and it yeah. is absolutely. It's it's like it's like a car crash and you just can't stop watching. You're like, oh lord, like you're watching them bring the bodies out of the train and everything. Like it's like, oh god, it's a I can't stop looking. <laughs> Absolute cringeworthy. Speaking of cringeworthy, yeah. Um, do you remember the the Kevin Magnuson and Nico Hulkenberg uh, interview after um they had the a little incident off my neck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that little incident, um, and Magnuson oh, suck my balls. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Or suck my was it suck my balls or suck it my was, nuts? I think it was suck my no, balls. No, suck my balls. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, if you would said that with a Cartman voice, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and do a Cartman voice, but everyone knows a Cartman voice. I think, I think you should. Ah, um, uh, yeah, that's 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 just going to end us right here and there. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I'm glad to see Magnuson back. I didn't expect it. Um. No, when the name came out, yeah, when the name came out, I I was surprised, and then I thought about it for a second. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, but that that actually makes sense um, in terms of what they're trying to do. Well, do you know the last time we were talking about this on on the the last podcast, we were talking about uh, Nico Hulkenberg coming back, and for that yeah. very reason that he was going to bring experience to the team, uh, and, and not just to the team for helping them develop the car, but also for Mick Schumacher. So yeah. going with someone like Kevin Magnuson is absolutely makes sense. Yeah. However, for Kevin Magnuson, though, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, you, you've kind of you were effectively dumped. And the person that dumped you doesn't have a date to the <clears throat> a, a date to the Debs. And you, you've after getting a phone call. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's Formula One. You're not going to turn it down. No, you're going to hop back in that car. In saying that, it it was a lot better of a of a send off, I think, than Mazepin's send off. I d- I can't see Mazepin coming back anytime soon. I I don't think anyone really wants to see him coming back anytime soon. So no, he's he's um, he's gone. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, look, we saw what happened in the <clears throat> excuse me, like that 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 Eurocali, like that was a, that was a poison for that team, an yeah, absolute yeah. poison for that team. <clears throat> so. They're 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 much better. Even if they got another rookie driver in, they're still in a much better place than they were last season. So yeah. again, compounded by Drive to Survive. I don't want to ruin any of it, but the Haas episode in particular was very very interesting. I, I one of my favorites, I think, of of the entire season. I like the way we keep saying we don't want to ruin it for people, but at every turn, 
we ruin it for people. <laughs> I'm not saying exactly what's happening. I'm just saying it was my favorite. Oh, I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, you really get behind the scenes of what's happening there, and it doesn't. They don't seem to hold any punches. Um, they really no. go in depth into that relationship between Mazepin um, and everyone. It seemed everyone at Haas. He didn't seem to. He didn't seem to be liked by anyone. My son wants a pony on the grid next season. <laughs> you get him a pony. Oh, uh, horrible! <laughs> horrible to watch. And I, I can only. And after after seeing what happened last week with him, and then watching Dry to Survive, um, only makes me feel thankful that uh, we won't see him back anytime soon. I think no. No, I look, and I think Kevin Magnuson is a, is an absolute fantastic uh, appointment for them. I, again, I think it's strange that they got rid of Magnuson, bring in Mazepin and Schumacher. Uh, Mazepin's gone. Then they bring Magnuson back, and you're thinking, no, this is where it's clear that the reason Mazepin was there was for the money, sure. because. Mazepin was given another season. He was going to be racing this year. Yeah. And, they, and they've given Magnuson a, a two-year contract or something like that. So yeah. clearly, they're like, like, they haven't just kind of brought him in to just fill Mazepin's shoes and then they'll make a decision on a driver at the end of the season. Yeah. They've signed him up for two years. Now, maybe that's standard because if he does well, they want to make sure they have him for next year. So maybe that is standard and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but... For, for Magnuson, I'd be like, you got rid of me for that guy. And you were going to keep that guy, even though you knew he was worse than me. Like, he was a worse... You kept him there for the money. Now the money's gone. Then all of a sudden, Gene Haas goes, oh, okay, my pockets are actually deeper. I'm going to pony up a little bit more money this season. And you're like... And also, on top of that, I actually saw today, uh, and the news may have come out earlier than today, but I saw today that Haas are saying that they've got other sponsors coming in who are going to be matching basically the deal that they had with Yurakali. Oh, so, okay. So that just begs the question, why in God's name did you were you going to stick for another season with Mazepin if you could easily have gotten other sponsors that were going to pony up the same money? And you could have got, if you wanted Magnuson, then you bring Magnuson in and you've got, uh, you've got a sponsor that isn't, poisonous in on on your team like and i don't mean poisonous just for what's happened with russia and ukraine i mean poisonous in the terms of the person that was there yeah the owner of the 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 company that was sponsoring who was there all the time hands-on yeah um so that that's what irritates me about the appointment of mag like i'm delighted to see magson back because i think he just really throws his elbows around on track and so i think we're going to see some some epic crashes and uh, some really <laughs> pissed off drivers, but in a, in a good way. I think he, he's he's aggressive. I think like Max Verstappen, but just with, yeah. without the, the the power behind his his arse. Um, do, you, do you think in a better car he might um, he might be up there? Say you put him in. I know we're getting into theories. We don't get too much into into theories, but you put him in a say a McLaren, for example. Do you see Kevin Magnussen on podiums? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I don't think he would, I don't think he is a, and this isn't theoretical, this is just my, just, just my opinion. I don't think he would be a title winner right. uh, unless, unless he, he was in a, a car that was just streaking away from anybody else. Like, I mean, unless you were in a, a Mercedes from a few years ago when you had no competition whatsoever, then maybe. Uh, but I think, I just don't think he keeps the head as cool. Like 
Max Verstappen is hot-headed on track. He makes some crazy maneuvers. But I always get the impression, though, it's a calculated maneuver. He knows the risk yeah. of going into it, but it's yeah. not done out of... It, okay, I'm saying this, and I know there is cases where he's done this out of rage before everybody's kind of like, but what about this time when he did that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but generally, I think he calculates his his overtaking uh, and he weighs up the pros and cons of what's going to happen. Yeah. Whereas Magnuson, I think is just a little bit more emotional about his decisions on and off you know, track. Um, and it's not a bad thing, but I think that would, if he was a, you know, if he was out challenging for a title and there was maybe one or two other drivers around him who were um, also competing, I, I think that's, I think he would lose, he wouldn't have the edge over them. I think that's where he would maybe, that'd be his, um, the downside for him, I think maybe. All in all, a, a a good decision and a good move from from Haas by the looks of things. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. He'll bring Schumacher on. Schumacher will learn a little bit from him, and we might see um, a little bit more um, progression from from Schumacher this year, hopefully. All right. Well, let's uh, before we uh, before we wrap up, let's uh, let's crack on. I know we're talking. We don't do hypotheticals, but what we do do is predictions for. The, the race day so sure. uh so let's let's see are we gonna go uh will we do podiums or will we do top 10 or what, what are we what are we gonna do here in terms of our race positions do we want to say do we want to give out our who do we see in the top 10 do we want to go uh, 10 um, to 1 or 1 to 10 or do you want to just do who's going to be on the podium um i i we, we could go way too deep on on what our one to ten would be all right let's go podium i think then. i think right. podiums is, is probably um a good bet um do you want to go first i'll let you go first go on oh i, I set up the question how why am i going first that's that's, <laughs> that's 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 like me driving the bus and i get out of it and stand in front of it as it takes me out <laughs> i just boot you back in again yeah. um okay who do i see um on current form i think we have um, a science. Oh, wait, wait, hang on a second. Are, are you going in third, third, second, I'm, and first? I'm going uh, third, second, first. Yeah. Um, I think we see science uh, in number three. Yeah. Number two, I think we see <clears throat> George Russell, and I see a Verstappen win in uh, race number one. So Max, George, and Carlos. Yeah, I would go. I'll, I'll put George in third. Mm. Oh, hang on a second. We're both quite hyped on George. I just—he's so aggressive. I think I. Yeah. I can't. I can't wait to see him this year. I really can't. I'm an absolute. Like I think he's an absolute. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm an absolute George fanboy, but right. I wouldn't go out for a pint with him. <laughs> No, no, no. Did you see Vanity Fair? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Stop. Like, Lads, I mean, yeah, although he, he did come out the worst of that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go with, no, do you know what? I'm going to go absolutely. I'm going to go Leclerc, Sainz, Verstappen. So <sighs> two, two Ferraris. Ferraris. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow I'm going to wow, go two wow. Ferraris. I don't think Perez is going to, he takes a little longer to get comfortable with the car. So I don't think he's yeah. going to be up there. Yeah, I think great, Verstappen yeah. is going to be out of the gate. I think. Mercedes yes. are going to take a little bit longer to get used to the car, but I do think I could easily say they're going to be fourth and fifth or someone's crashing out or something like that, or they're going to have a reliability issue. I don't know. I just don't see them on the podium, which is absolutely bonkers thing to say, yeah, but yeah. I just, yeah, I'm going to go two Ferraris, 
two and three, and Verstappen okay. on the on the top spot. Now, give me just give me one wild card for your for your top ten. Who do you think out of say the back could you see maybe surprising us and getting into the top ten? As a surprise, so obviously Mick Schumacher isn't a surprise because we think they're going to be a midfield team. So are we going to say that Mick Schumacher would be a ninth or tenth anyway? So he's not the surprise. We'd have to go with someone that's maybe down like an Alpine, an Aston Martin, uh, Williams. Yeah. I, you know, I would, okay. see, I would still see Haas as a surprise getting in the top ten. Would you? Yeah. I'm, I'm, going in, I'm going into the season kind of going, if you're not in top ten, I'm disappointed in you, lads. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean in terms of development is there is there anyone that that any other teams that have underdeveloped yeah alpine have gone backwards haven't they um aston martin gone a bit backwards as well but again i know we don't have much really to go on but i just yeah. i don't i don't see them being too far up the top okay I, i'll tell you who i'm going to go with it and outside yeah. of the out of the box um uh, top 10 finish is going to be Alex Albon. Oh, Alex, Alex yeah. Albano. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Albon in the top 10. That's very interesting. Yeah. 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 That's who I'm going to go with. Who's your, to... who's your outside bet? Well, you, I, I would have said Albon as well, so I'm going to have to go with someone else. I'm going to say... Don't say Latifi now. That's, that's an absolute... No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that crazy. Um, Guang Yuzhou? Yeah. Just oh wait, because how... I don't know. He's an unknown entity for me. Um... Well, he's a great driver. The I think the unknown is going to be the reliability of the Alfa Romeo. But I think yeah. they should be able to get that squared away for. I think you, know, so. you always see this unreliability in free practice and and testing and all that. But then when it actually comes to the race, like the reliability last year was phenomenal. Like yeah, know? yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So I don't think, and the engines and, and, you know, the powertrain and stuff like that is effectively the same. I know they've made modifications for the new fuel types, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it's Joe Guan Yu, actually, ju just to correct you. There, I've, I've seen it disputed and said both ways. So you're saying go. The, ha, um, Ted, Ted, with his block of cheese, interviewed, uh, interviewed him and asked how he would like to be called. And okay. he said, uh, Joe Guan Yu. Um, Joe Guan Yu. Okay. Now, okay. now I didn't know whether he actually wanted people to call him his whole name, Joe Guan Yu. So I think Ted just kept calling him Joe. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. I think for the season I'll go with Joe as well. Um, yeah. yeah so I see. I see. Yeah. That's that's my. Um, and who do you see disappointing? Disappointment will be Lando Norris. That's a yeah, wow. Don't get me wrong, I love Lando and I think he's he's a phenomenal driver. I think like Daniel Ricardo <laughs> disappoints all the time at the moment in the McLaren. <laughs> yeah. So that's not going to be a disappointment. But Lando finishing where Daniel finishes, that that yeah. would be a disappointment. So I think I'm gonna go Lando Norris for disappointing me in the Bahrain. Okay. Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. Um, Danny Ricardo wasn't even in the team photo for McLaren for this year. <laughs> that, that's how much he's going to disappoint. <laughs> um, I fitted um, for his purse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I see um, Valtteri Bottas um, sitting very far back in the grid, and not are you going to say that get by anyone? And are you going to say that? Oh, <laughs> yeah, doing a proper <laughs> Bottas on it. Parking are you, in the San Almira. Are you uh, saying that? 
because of the car or because of Bottas? I think it's because of Bottas. I think he's, I think he's, um, I think he was overachieving maybe a little bit at times with the with the Mercedes. He had a phenomenal car underneath him, um, but yeah, I th- I see things kind yeah. of falling apart uh, for Valtteri unfortunately this year. Well, it's a it's it's a it's a solid shout. I mean, we saw when he was starting eighth, ninth, or tenth with engine penalties and whatever have you uh, last season, and he was never gaining those places. He or yeah. or if he was, he was taking a long time to do it. So so yeah, good shout. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Right, I think that's it, everybody. That's it for this week's episode. But until next week... If you wish to contact the podcast, please go to latenightracereview.com or our email address is feedback at latenightracereview.com. Cheers. <laughs>